the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website, and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. Well, the clock struck midnight on Wednesday, June 30th, and, with the turning of the calendar to July 1st, the new world order in collegiate athletics came into being. Without national guidelines or regulation, collegiate athletes are now free to begin earning income from their name, image, and likeness. Not surprisingly, there were some schools and their supporters who were quick to jump into the fray. Brad Geiger and I will take a look at some of these new sources of income for players of other teams and how the University of Colorado may try and compete. CU Athletic Director Rick George, a member of the NCAA Working Group which unsuccessfully tried to come up with national guidelines, gave words of hope and reassurance to the Buff Nation in his press conference. Brad and I will discuss those quotes and give our opinions as to CU's future in the never-ending battle for quality recruits. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you download your podcasts and feel free to give us a review. We'll be getting started on our fall camp preview with our next podcast, so I hope you'll continue to join us as we get ever closer to the opening of the 2021 fall campaign. For now... It's the new world of name, image, and likeness. Can CU compete? Let's find out. Okay, we are back. And with Brad Geiger in Highlands Ranch, how's Brad doing? Brad is doing well, enjoying the middle of the summer, playing a little golf, trying not to get too hot down here as the heat waves continue. So it's been wonderful. And since the last time we talked, you now have a Buffalo tattoo. I do in part honoring my father and in part honoring my continuing association with buffs of all kinds. Buffs, okay. I, I thought maybe the buffs with the brand, you were taking that a little too literally. <laughs> there is no name name, image, or likeness payment associated with my tattoo. Okay. <laughs> Definitely a buff for life, as you <laughs> put in your text when you sent me a picture. So congratulations on uh, becoming a buff for life. Well, so, pl- proud of it. Always have been. Now I'm wearing it on my arm. Yes. Yes. Wear your heart on your sleeve. There's lots of comments we could throw at that. There's been a lot of news we've been waiting we've been talking about it for months but we waited for july 1st to hit and the nil name image and likeness wave uh tsunami 
is now upon us in the NCAA. And now that we have some at least initial salvos in terms of what the nil is going to look like, um, we wanted to devote a podcast to that before we jump into fall camp and start talking about more important things like who's going to be the starting quarterback. So I want to back up a little bit before the NIL took place or kicked in on July 1st, the United States Supreme Court uh, in late June came down with the decision on the Alston case, which do you want to do that? I mean, uh, it's uh, it's pretty narrow in terms of the actual case, correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it from a lawyer point of view, it was addressing a very specific question. And that's where the, whether the NCAA could, in very specific terms, um, limit uh, payment by schools to players for certain items. Um, and the argument is and always has been that the NCAA looks, acts, talks, and quacks like a monopoly. But they have always claimed that preservation of amateurism entitled them to do so, that they could set rules for amateurism. And the Supreme Court said, well, just putting the fact that you limit competition to a fancy word like amateurism doesn't mean you're not limiting competition. Um, you know, it, the majority's decision, the case did not ask to throw out all NCAA regulations, didn't say indeed that the NCAA couldn't regulate, but it did say that these particular regulations had no rational basis or connection to any valid purpose, which we kind of knew something like this was coming when the, when the case was argued in front of the Supreme court, the, uh, the facial expressions and the questions asked by the uh, justices made it very clear that they were not buying what the NCAA was selling. Yeah. So it was a, the only surprise probably there was a nine zero decision that not only did the NCAA lose, but got their hat handed to them. Um, but one thing, I mean, yes, it is narrow. Only talking about educator, education related payments, you know, buying computers or doing things along those lines. So mm-hmm. it was narrowly construed to get a, a victory, but it definitely set the stage for other lawsuits potentially. And I, what, what I thought was interesting is that the, quote that is in every single article was Brett Kavanaugh's, the NCAA is not above the law. Now, it's my understanding that you did graduate law school. I mean, you were a year behind me, so I didn't actually see you graduate law school, but I understand that you're a practicing attorney. (laughs) Now, Brett Kavanaugh, as I understand it, wrote a concurring opinion. Would you explain to the folks at home what a concurring opinion is? Oh, my. The majority opinion, which was nine nothing, was very narrow, and that is the controlling law. Occasionally, a justice who agrees with the ruling will then write an opinion saying we should have done something different in reaching our ruling. Uh, In this case, Justice Kavanaugh then went on to say, you're a monopoly. You have no justification for being in a monopoly, and we're coming after you. Now, that wasn't adopted by a single other justice, but that was to say that that was a shot across the bow would be understatement. That was a shot into the bow. <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't over. It actually landed. It um, actually landed. Holes were 
holes were made. Um, I, I love this. Important traditions that have become part of the fabric of America. Game days in Tuscaloosa and South Bend, the packed gyms and stores in Durham. He clearly, to his credit, and Kavanaugh is the most blatantly political opinion writer out there. He's trying to say, listen, I love college football too, but it can't stay the way it is, which is everybody knew. <laughs> yeah. So the, the phrase, the NCAA is not above law, even though it was an opinion of one with nobody joining his concurrence, still became the, the headline that came went across the United States and everybody read and everybody had that sink into their psyche. And that was just a week before the world came to an end and name, image, and likeness came into play without any real guidance from the NCAA, no law from Congress. Now, Rick George, who has been on the working group on state and federal legislation for a year and a half, he's been working on coming up with some national rules for either to propose through Congress to have it become a national law or regulations through the NCAA. Nothing came through Congress and the NCAA apparently doesn't want to, at this point, piss off anybody because they're going to get sued. Um, I think it was Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports says the NCAA, NCAA is now an institution there to be sued. So I will read you basically all the guidelines that the NCAA came up with as of July 1st. Individuals can engage in NIL activities that are consistent with the law of the state where the school is located. College athletes who attend a school in a state without an NIL law can engage in this type of activity without violating NCAA rules related to name, image, and likeness. Student athletes should report NIL activities consistent with state law or school and conference requirements to their school. So pretty much we have no rules. You know, oh yeah, it's the it it is um, the wild wild west. In more than in, one article, that was the the phrase of choice was the the wild wild west for name, image, and likeness. The NCAA, for better or worse, you could make the argument, abdicated its responsibility to come up with national regulations that all of its schools, member schools, could use. So. Different states, including the state of Colorado, bumped up their previous deadlines or previous um, dates for enactment to July 1st. Mm -hmm. And other states don't have anything, and the different schools are doing different things. So three schools I like to mention that you know got probably the most publicity with regards to initial NIL um, activities. We'll start with Miami. That was probably July 1st. And so it got a lot of national publicity. A guy that owns a training facility, I guess it's called America's Top Team, said that he was going to pay all of the Miami football players up to $500 a month for their name, image, and likeness, up to $6,000 a year, $540,000 check for him to write. And the quote that I, I got out of it, it's an amazing, this is the, the guy from the training facility, an amazing opportunity for businesses and fans to directly impact the lives of these players and the national reputation of our team. So 
if he had done this on June 1st, 2021, he would have been banned from the facilities at the University of Miami, would have been investigated by the NCAA and probably the FBI for saying, I'm going to go and pay these players $500 a month for breathing. There are no specific requirements that the third string offensive linemen do anything other than stay on the roster for him to receive $500 a month for being a Miami Hurricane. What was your initial reaction to the first national NIL story? Oh, I had many. Um, The first, of course, is that this has all been coming for five years. And the mistake we made was relying on the NCAA and Congress to do anything right, which in retrospect probably was predictable. (laughs) Um, I mean, this would this have been better if the NCAA had proposed regulations and the states could have gotten together and Congress could have passed a law 100 percent, but it didn't happen. Okay, because a lot of things, including sheer amazing incompetence. But again, no one was surprised that the U was the first one to say flat out, we're going to pay players to play that, you know, this Anybody who's been alive more than 17 minutes knows that this is how Miami has always done it <laughs> is the bottom line. Yes, you can. It's obviously that players are being paid to play, and it is obviously intended as a recruitment tool. Nobody with a brain believes otherwise. Everybody understands that. And it that again, that it came out of Miami where there was never any doubt that any kind of moral sense was going to apply should surprise no one given the history, you know, that will, they're going to be bidding for players in Miami. Well, and bidding against Alabama and Georgia and Florida. Yes. Uh, And uh, yeah, I think the website is bring back the U. So it is not even the remotest veneer veneer of having anything to do with name image and likeness and promoting students and getting their mm-hmm. sale of posters or whatever it is it's just we're just going to pay you and you can put us on your twitter feed as an ad and we'll just be happy with that and i've got more national publicity from this story i've gotten five hundred forty thousand dollars worth of publicity i don't need anything from the actual miami players mm-hmm. so i'm good to go well, and that will be the interesting question on that kind of massive investment. Okay, we'll put aside the fact that Miami boosters have not always proven to be the most lawfully compliant people in their other parts of their business. Yeah. But the question soon is going to become, are these people paying for NIL to make money, to make publicity, to do it the same way you always pay for ads? Or is it going to be more rich people throwing money at a program, which is a different thing. Which Um, if you have a rabid fan base and you have people with money, which is not two ways you describe the University of Colorado. uh, Sadly, no. Sadly, no. Those programs are going to take advantage of that, which leaves us, moves us transition right into Nebraska which is actually an example almost, you know, not quite to the point, but it was an example I did with Rick George when I did a podcast number two, you know, season one, podcast two, when 
this was February of 2020 when I asked Rick George about, well, what about Nebraska when they have these fanatic fans and they'll just basically line up to pay for whatever thing, anything that has an N on it. And how is CU going to compete with that in terms of recruiting? And of course, Rick gave the polite political answers. Well, we're working on all these different things. We're looking at all these different angles and we'll see what happens. Well, nothing happened. So Nebraska, soon after Miami, there was a story about the Runza restaurant chain. Have you ever had a Runza sandwich? Do you remember I have not had Runza? the privilege. I do remember. I have heard of them, but I have not had the privilege. I don't remember it. We've been to Lincoln on several occasions, but I do not remember Runza. Although I saw one story, uh, The Athletic, that they sell 14,000 Runza sandwiches at every home game. And there are 14 out of the 85 Runza uh, establishments are in Lincoln. Mm -hmm. So you cannot swing a helmet with an N on it without hitting a Runza restaurant. And so taking advantage of the local flavor, they are also going to pay players for their name, image, or likeness, or whatever mm. variation there is of that. And that, again, is not something that the University of Colorado is going to have. But then you move on to the big boys. And now we're talking Oregon and Nike and Phil Knight, mm -hmm. who has literally spent hundreds of millions of dollars at Nike University to make Oregon a national power. And he is teaming up with one of the top players, probably one of the top three players in some of the draft mock drafts for the 2022 NFL draft defensive lineman. I'm going to get the name wrong. Kayvon Thibodeau. Thibodeau. That the details have not come out, but there's some sort of a six figure deal worked out for memorabilia in addition to a deal for commissioned artwork that was announced. So this gets to the idea of, okay, if we're in the wild, wild west and there are no rules, are there any chances of schools like Colorado competing with schools like USC and Oregon when basically a player can be paid a lot of money to play for that particular school? Mm -hmm. The counter-argument is, and I'm not sure I agree with it, but I have heard it said, and I think it is worth considering, we already weren't competing, okay? The, the competition up to July 1st was Phil Knight cannot give money to a player. So Phil Knight just backed up the dump truck and bought <laughs> the facilities, okay? And then they used the facilities to pay to promote the player. We see you was always at a deficit for recruiting to USC and Oregon and Alabama because the donors were always putting the money in there in a way that was meant to attract and get the best recruits. So the question then becomes, what is the marginal increase in directly paying recruits? Okay. And that's putting aside the entire black market. I mean, Nobody in Alabama is getting a pay raise. <laughs> okay. Honestly, I mean, you, you, you want to be a very cynical person. The only problem with the Alabama players is now they got to pay taxes on it. <laughs> okay. Cause what they, the hundred dollar handshakes weren't taxed. Your name, image, image and likeness stuff is. 
So, yeah, does Phil Knight give Oregon an unfair advantage or a monetary advantage? Call it unfair or not. Yes, but he has for a decade. Does the USC fan base give them an advantage in terms of recruiting under NIL? Yes, but they already did. T. Boone Pickens threw money at Oklahoma State for how long? Yeah, a good 20 years. Yeah. Tens of millions of dollars to build facilities. And it bought them how many national championships? (laughs) You know, because you're still paying people to go to Oklahoma. Yes. The question becomes, to what extent will this change the structure of college football? And a cynic says the rich have always had an advantage and that this is just moving money from the athletic director and his salary to the players. Yes. Now, I'm not 100% sure that that's correct, but I don't know that the sandwich chain is going to really believe that they're getting their money's worth in four or five years. Well, I think Nebraska fans, they will buy a dead cow if you if you put the N on it. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. there are fan bases. Now, okay, I will give to you the hypothetical I gave to Rick George 16 months ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have a Nebraska recruit or Nebraska signee. Okay. So they go to their dorms. They're early, early enrollees, so they're in January. And they get to their dorm room, and there's a sign on the door. And it says, come to Pete's Sporting Goods. He's like, okay, I'll go to Pete's Sporting Goods. And he finds, at Pete's Sporting Goods, a line out the door of Nebraska fans. And he founds that Pete's Sporting Goods has put together a poster for all the incoming freshmen. And he will receive... $10 for every autograph and $10 for every photo he takes with any fan that walks in the door. Now, again, this is an incoming freshman that hasn't played a down for the University right. of Nebraska. And he's may literally into, never play a down. May never play a down. He's playing, you know, first day as an enrollee at University of Nebraska Lincoln. So he goes back and he tweets out on social media. Hey, this is great. I made $1,500 today and I even haven't taken my first mm-hmm. class. Now, fast forward to the recruiting class of 2023 or whatever the next recruiting class is, and you're a four star offensive lineman out of Pick a School, Cherry Creek in Denver, and you're being recruited by Nebraska and Colorado. Now, you're not going to be as a, an offensive lineman a media star. You're not going to have a million dollar million followers on Instagram or whatever the case might be, but you're seeing on the recruiting trail that Nebraska freshmen are basically like Miami and because of Runza, Nebraska freshmen are being paid to breathe. Now you go back to the assistant coaches at the university of Colorado and say, uh, I'm being recruited by two power five schools. Both have, <laughs> we'll put in quotes, good academics, you know, to throw Nebraska in there for a second as having good academics. And they both have big weight rooms and all this sort of stuff. And I'm going back and forth. So it, why shouldn't I go with Nebraska where I'm going to get the money as opposed to the University of Colorado where I'm not going to get the money? So it's not the four and five star guys I'm talking about. It's not the 
Thibodeaux of the world who are never going to go to the University of Colorado anyway. We're talking about the third string guy at Lincoln goes to Lincoln because he can get the dollars or he could have been a first string guy at the University of Colorado, but he doesn't go to Colorado because he doesn't get the dollars. So you're just going back to the days where we had the junior colleges and we had the taxi squads of players that are stacked for these teams and they won't come to the University of Colorado because they are not feeling respected because their name, image, and likeness is not being quantified, is not being turned into currency. And so now they're going, they'd rather be a third string offensive lineman in Lincoln and get paid rather than compete for a starting job in Boulder. That was the hypothetical I gave to mm-hmm. Rick George. How I understand where you're coming from that, you know, we're never going to compete for the star players with Oregon anyway, but are we losing depth in terms of potential stars that will go and sit on the bench somewhere else simply because they can get paid to do so? Is the guy who's going to do that for $1,500 to sit the bench going to be a star at CU? In my hypothetical, he is. He could potentially well, maybe, be a starter. But, but it presumes things about college athletes that may not be true. It presumes that money during college is the only thing they're going to look at. Yes, that kid who could start at CU and will sit at Nebraska may make more money to those four years. But if that kid had any hope of playing after this, then going to Nebraska is the wrong choice. Will NIL money impact some kids? Yes. The question is, what is the marginal impact? And CU is going to have to, like it always has to, recruit differently than Nebraska, perhaps because we don't have that particular thing. But I, I, you know, I don't think the hypothetical is that common because kids always believe they can play. And high school kids who have been recruited to D1 always believe they can start. And yeah, you might go to Nebraska and for the NIL money that freshman year. But when you can't even sniff the field, remember, we still have the transfer portal. <laughs> Okay. The other thing that drives all of us old guys crazy is when that kid figures out that he's never going to start at Nebraska. And by the way, the starters at Nebraska are making a heck of a lot more money than they are because we all know that this, oh, we're playing all of the players the same amount is going to last about 17 seconds. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the car dealership in Lincoln ain't going to have the third string offensive lineman signing autographs. It's going to be the starting running back or, you know, whichever of the four starting quarterbacks is starting this week because Scott Frost can't coach quarterbacks to save his bloody life. But um, yeah, It's actually sad to use Nebraska's example at this point, because, you know, they're, yeah. they're more in chaos than, than we are. We did. It's so hard to figure out how this is going to play out. There are unquestionably going to be, what cannot be characterized as anything but bidding wars for the top recruits. Those five stars are going to be bid for by the big schools. The idea that that's going to be a different group of big schools and we're bidding for them last year. I'm not a hundred percent convinced. Yeah. 
that well, that's me, true. Let me throw this little hypothetical a couple of years down the road, because we don't know, again, how this is going to play out. That, first of all, I had this envision of the preseason magazine saying, well, he was second on the team in rushing, but he was first on the team in NIL money, you know, or something like that. It's like, that's going to be a stat. Let's say that we've got a competition at running back or wide receiver or some skill position. Sorry about that offensive lineman, but you know, we'll say skill position. And the player says, well, you know, the coaches are, aren't playing me enough. So unless the, I was going to say boosters can't say, you know, unless the uh, advertising community, <laughs> unless the people with money want to give me more NIL money, I am going to transfer. Sure. And now the player is basically holding his own team hostage right. to be paid more. Perhaps. Perhaps. But again, because of the transfer portal. Yeah, that's, that that's going to be a thing. That kid walked into his, if it, that, that second string running back who thinks he's a first string running back, who thinks he could be a first round pick if he just got his chance. Yes. Walked into the room and said, listen, if I don't get playing time, I'm going to transfer that power. We, we gave that power to players two years ago. Yeah. That ship has sailed. Yeah. Well, I'm just afraid that hoping that CU is going to be successful in the transfer portal. They come out of the same issue. It's like, yeah. well, I could transfer to Colorado. I could transfer to Utah, but I'm going to make more money mm-hmm. on my name and your likeness by going to Utah, which has a fan base. that's willing to pay me more. And again, not that we're not getting the top, top, top players because we're never going to get the top, top, top player. I actually uh, just posted, I did a thing on recruiting and the drain of talent. And I'll post a link to this on the website, you know, that there are five quarterbacks, two at Ohio State, but then Alabama starting quarterback, Clemson starting quarterback, Georgia starting quarterback, and two of the top potential starting quarterbacks at Ohio State are all from California. So you've got five right. college football playoff starting quarterbacks not playing in the Pac-12. I also noted that there are 49 four- and five-star players on the Oregon roster, CUS seven. So right. to your point, everything is not level to start with. But I'm worried about not the four- or five-star guys, but the three-star guy that could make a difference, the Robert Barnes or, you know, our, North, our Notre Dame linebacker, you know, coming in snow that maybe would make a difference that wouldn't look at CU because they're not going to get NIL money. Um, but I want, well, I want to move on to what Rick George had to say, because you are preaching from the Rick George playbook. He had a press conference <laughs> where he was asked about NIL and what it meant to the University of Colorado I'm just going to read some of the quotes. First of all, of course, he's still hoping that there's going to be uh, national rules, that we have one set of rules. Of course, the genie's out of the bottle. You're going to tell Miami they can't play that, you know, pay these guys $5,000 now? That ain't going to happen. He Not tried without to screw- getting sued. Yeah, without being sued. NCAA, here to be sued. It's a great time for college athletics, is what Rick George said. Some people look at it as if there are these challenges. I view them as opportunities. We've got the opportunity and how we can make our department and student athletes better moving forward. We'll be creative and we'll do things we need to do to continue to make Colorado Athletics an elite department. 
We provide incredible programs for our student athletes and will continue to do that. We have a lot to sell. Recruiting has always been imbalanced in some way because people do it a little differently at every place. We just have to know what we do really well and sell that. There's a big focus. I, I apologize on, for the cackle there, but yes, uh, Rick yes, George is, saying, you know, Florida's always paid players and we never have. Yes. <laughs> as close to honesty as you're going to get in this yes. case. There is a big focus, going back to Rick, on NIL, but there are so many other factors that are important to student athletes. I feel really good about what we have in our briefcase that we can sell. I put that up against anybody, name, image, and likeness is only going to enhance our opportunities to become a better program. Okay, so that was the, the quotes from Rick George's press conference talking about name, image, and likeness. And yeah, it's hard to put a good spin on that, at least in my view, but he's trying to put the best spin on it that he can. I guess you have to, as they say, trust the guy in the room. That's an old West Quinn quote. But Rick George has been in the room for the last year and a half working on this working group of on state and federal legislation, working on this direct issue, knowing what's coming down. And once upon a time, he was the recruiting coordinator at the University of Colorado for Bill McCartney when the University of Colorado was competing for national championships. So, you know, he's not naive as to what's out there. He is not misinformed as to what the problems are. The question is, can the University of Colorado, without a South Park Stadium or Celestial Seasonings Player of the Week, compete in the, in the world of NIL for recruits. And my answer is that it, we're worse off today at the University of Colorado than we were June 30th. Rick was the little boy in the, with his finger in the dike. <laughs> Rick knew we couldn't compete in NIL. That's why he's been trying to pass rules that would maintain whatever the NCAA wants to call competitive balance. And, and let's face it, this failed because the NCAA is incredibly, massively incompetent in any kind. I mean, there are 20th century institutions. There are 21st century institutions. And the NCAA is still using buggy whips to drive their cart <laughs> to the house. Okay. They failed on this miserably. The NCAA 10 years ago could have gone to legislatures, gone to Congress, gotten this done right. Rick George knew that and they failed. So Rick has to put as good a face on it as he can. He's not naive. I mean, he can't walk out and say we're completely and totally behind the gun here. He was trying to prevent this from happening. He couldn't. That's the reality. Rick George was the voice in there of, of the not Clemson's, the not Alabama's, the not Oregon's, and they lost. And that's just the reality. So uh, believe me, I don't think CU is better off. I don't know how much worse off they are. I think they'll be juggling. I think they'll be rearranging. It will be fascinated to see if the USC fan base, whoever the heck they are, steps up to do this and how it will affect the Pac-12 in particular. Um, but as you said, players aren't leaving California to go to Arizona State. 
they're leaving California to go to programs that have already have vastly more money. Yes. Okay. And by the way, I do want to say we think about this almost exclusively in terms of football and a lesser extent men's basketball. Okay. And let's remember that there may be some benefits here to the other players, the other sports. They're not going to get rich. The women's golf team is not going to rake it in on NIL. But if the best women's golfer at CU can say, I play Titleist and help cover her rent, I'm all for that. Yeah. No. You, okay. You, yeah. You, no, no, no disagreement for me. I mean, if a gymnast at UCLA can make a bunch of money or a you know, swimmer at Stanford can make a bunch of money or, God help us, Jeremy Bloom could have made a bunch of money. You know, well, that's the funny part. CU was the the leader on this. Yeah, we we faced this problem first when Jeremy Bloom got well and truly destroyed by the NCAA. And for those who are younger than us and don't remember, Jeremy Bloom was a fine top level football player for CU, as, as exciting a punt returner as I've ever seen who also was a better freestyle skier. He didn't get paid to ski freestyle. He had to do what we would now call name, image, and likeness. Yes. Endorsement. And literally the NCAA said, no, that we, we prohibit this everywhere in any possible way. And so you have to choose skiing and the Olympics or CU football. And every one of us knew that was wrong then. Yeah. So every single one of us knew that was wrong then. Yeah. And we and literally that was the time that the NCAA could have pulled its head out of whatever hole it chose to insert it in <laughs> and start working on a way to make this fair. And when you don't do that, when you're continually unfair, when you continually look back, and when the only people who ever get a damn raise from the NCAA are Mark Emmert and the people wandering around kissing his particular ring, then yes. This kind of chaos is going to occur because nobody trusts you to be fair. Yeah. CU and other schools. And, you know, you can complain about CU who at CSU is going to play players who in Laramie or Greeley or Manhattan. Well, they'll play basketball players in Manhattan. They already do. We know this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and again, if you want to talk about transition, think about men's basketball. Okay, we already know what's going on in men's basketball. The entire AAU system is as deeply, massively corrupt as you can possibly imagine. We've got that on damn FBI wiretaps. Okay, so if if the Kansas player can get paid for his NIL and doesn't have to worry about whether or not Nike is going to pay him to be on their AAU team, is it the worst thing? You know, you have to understand in the end, that this is a change in a deeply unfair, unjust, incorrect system that was not done well and is going to create different injustice, different incorrections. And is CU football going to be one of the teams that may get hurt? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And that's unfortunately the prism through which I look at the world, not yeah. through the, you know, the swimmer at Texas that can you know, make uh, win a gold medal at the Olympics and prosper because of that. No, I, I don't think there's anybody that objects to that part of it because 
the recruiting of swimmers at USC is not going to be damaged by the Texas swimmer making money off of their name, image, and likeness. So it's going to, we, we will see how it, how it plays out, but I am, I am skeptical that the University of Colorado is going to swim above the, the mediocrity of recruiting that we are stuck with at this point. As long as I've got you, I do want to hit on a couple other things that Rick George mentioned at his press conference just to get that information out there. The renewal rate for season tickets was 77% at this point. The most recent year prior was 2019. Obviously, we had no season tickets to use in 2020. Well, it was 86%. But again, that was also the Nebraska year, the home game against Nebraska. Do have some good home games this year, obviously, with USC and you know Texas A&M is a separate game, but Minnesota, um, Oregon State, Arizona. So I mean, there's some you know decent home games this year. He thought 77% renewal rate was pretty good. I looked at the Ticketmaster for Mile High Stadium. Looks like CU fans took up a good third to half. Now that's going to go on sale for the rest of the planet. You can imagine that the other half is probably going to be taken up by Texas A&M fans, but at least CU fans made a good showing there. Any thoughts on renewal rates for season tickets or how University of Colorado looks in terms of numbers? I think that's you know everything we could hope for. You know, certainly you would hope that your season ticket renewal would go up when you had a winning team last year, which sometimes we forget, um, <laughs> and a team that showed promise. You would hope. I mean, a word that I have come to hate is unprecedented. Um, yes. But you know, we don't know how to predict this. We don't know how to predict. There are still people who are financially hurting. There are people who are not recovering from the pandemic and the associated recession. You know, 77% seems quite excellent. And, you know, hopefully it will increase. Uh, I suspect that the season ticket renewal will have more to do with the win-loss than anything else. Yeah. No, I thought it was a pretty good number. And there's another factor of just people not necessarily want to be in groups at this point. I've got kids and grandkids coming to the Northern Colorado game and, you know, some fears from our kids about the, their kids who are not vaccinated being in a crowd of 50,000. And so there might be some potential season ticket holders that didn't renew simply because they're not ready yet to be part of a group of 50,000. One other set of numbers I want to throw at you that Rick talked about CU ended up with about an $18 million deficit for a fiscal year ended June 30th, which is lower than might have been projected earlier. And he did make a note that CU lost over $40 million from lost ticket sales and TV revenue. So $18 million deficit in in that light. Of course, some of the coaches, all all the coaches took pay cuts. They all got those reinstated. And, of course, there wasn't travel expenses associated with playing a lot of these games because a lot of the games weren't played. But um, the idea is that that's going to be paid off over the next seven to eight years from conference distributions rather than, um, you know, that Pac-12 had a pool of dollars to to loan. So that 
I, I suppose might still be an option, but he's talking about that they're just going to kind of slowly try and eat away at by making budgets of three to four million dollars in profits each year that would offset the the deficit that was created from this pandemic year. So I don't know. It sounded to me, I mean, yeah, nobody wants to say $18 million deficit's a good thing, but considering the first seven years, you know, Rick George was here, either he was breaking even or, or slightly making money. It was basically a balanced budget every year before that, um, I think is pretty laudable under the circumstances. Oh, truly amazing. Uh, to Rick George's vast credit and to the credit of the entire athletic department, um, they saw this coming. Um, they were ahead of the curve, probably because Boulder was ahead of the curve. I mean, there were a lot of people who criticized Boulder for shutting down early, but that at least led the university to move very quickly to understand that this was going to have a lot of impacts, one of them financial. And, um, you know, Rick George, and, and there are things one can, can, can criticize about Rick, but in terms of financial responsibility of watching what's going on there, this is what he does. And coming out of this with $17, $18 million deficit is bad. But I suspect as we learn more and more, I bet there are schools who are going to suffer significantly more than that. Yeah. Um, who didn't take good steps, who didn't step up the right way. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, this is going to be a scandal. There are going to be schools who, when they start revealing their, their 2021 budget, people are going to go, you are how much in the hole? Yeah. And I was going to say, yeah, that, you know, these were schools that were running deficits before, right. you know, so, you know, they weren't coming in with a balanced budget. They weren't coming in, in the black and Washington state, Cal, Arizona state, Arizona. I mean, you know, <laughs> ridiculous, um, are, were hurting puppies before 2020. So, we shall see. Uh, perhaps Phil Knight will ride to the rescue of the Pac-12 and just write $40 million checks to the other 11 schools in the conference and help make a balanced playing field for everyone. Yeah, Phil has indicated very much that that's what he's most interested in, is a balanced playing field. Yes. Well, to be fair, so I don't get any comments, he has given money to Oregon State. He has given money to Stanford, which right. he is, you know, but... Uh, yeah, has, to my knowledge, other than the Nike contracts themselves, um, has not been a big donor at the University of Colorado. And probably the name, image, and likeness future of the University of Colorado should not be dependent upon or hinge upon any hopes of Phil Knight writing to the rescue. But what I found interesting about the Phil Knight choice, you know, as, as difficult as it is as a competitor, it wasn't the Miami choice. Right. It was... I'm going to help these kid, this particular person. And the idea is that he's going to help other people make money for themselves. The idea isn't that Phil's paying this guy. It's that he's creating a position and a process whereby that Thibodeau can make his own money, which, you know, if there's anybody who should be working at the altar of, you know, 21st century postmodern capitalism, one can understand why it might be Phil Knight. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is, it, it is, it is not the socialist solution of Miami. It is a more capitalist solution as befits a man who has made his money off paying Chinese children 17 cents an hour to make shoes. <laughs> well, on that note, 
Um, we will set aside NIL for the time being. Um, I'm sure we will have comments as the world turns and other NIL stories come out, but we will soon begin talking about the University of Colorado football team again. So the offensive and defensive rosters and breakdowns and roster battles that we're going to have for the fall camp will give us something fodder for us to talk about when I talk a little preseason magazines. Lindy's actually picked us fourth. It's first national publication didn't have us fifth. It was just easy to slot us in there. You got USC, Utah, Arizona State, and UCLA, which hasn't had a winning season since 2015. They're still going to make it under Chip Kelly. And then there's Arizona at the bottom of everybody's list. And then Colorado, well, there's no place else to put them, so we'll put them fifth. Right. Although those who picked Arizona State above us may perhaps have wished their publication deadline was a bit later. Yeah, well, Lindy's picked Arizona State to win the Pac-12 South. So maybe, you know, we shall see. You know, it might drag out that Arizona State has a wonderful season and then gets punished. You know, they follow the Arizona basketball model. It's like, we don't care as long as we win and you can punish us later type of thing. But we will talk again soon. Thank you for your time and expertise. Nice to get some lawyerly talk, you know, the the podcast of attorneys that's not going to sell. Okay. No, I so. think I, I think we should not play that as our number one. But here's a toast to return towards something that looks like normality. Very good. We will talk at you soon. Take care, Fred. Thank you for listening. We very much appreciate your support of the See You at the Game podcast during this past off season. With our next podcast, however, we will turn our full attention to the 2021 season. We will start with an in-depth look at the roster on both sides of the ball and compare our thoughts with the national pundits who have pegged CU as a team which will flirt with the 500 season and a bowl bid, but will fall just short due to the buffs challenging schedule. Will the boss surprise the nation again in 2021? Was Carl Durrell's first campaign a fluke or a harbinger of good days to come? I hope that you'll come along for the ride as we find out. Until next time, be well, stay safe, and go buffs. Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time when we will again see you at the game.